Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick and welcome to the Presence Podcast. You're here for episode number three of my second year, also known as January 3rd. This first month, the numbering is pretty easy. I am glad that you are with me, whatever day it is for you, whatever place you are listening to this. I am in my basement with my candles, my um, vaporizer for aromatherapy. I talked about that about um, a week or so ago on the podcast. And um, just enjoying the last, not quite the last, the penultimate day of my Christmas vacation. And it was a day, like every day, in which I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the presence of God. And as previously mentioned, I am glad that you are with me, sharing it with me. So today was a day that I really resolved to get up early. And I did, but then I went back to sleep. (laughs) And uh, that was nice. I think I really needed it. And um, I um, got out for a walk, which was good. It was sunny and still quite mild. Boy, for early January, some years this time of year has been so, so cold. But this year it's pleasant. 40s, mid 40s, close to 50. I mean, it was it was nice today. And that was good, getting out and walking and then completed some variety of little tasks that I had on my agenda to get done. But um, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do for my God presence moment for this recording until about seven o'clock or so when my brother-in-law came over. Now, he had texted my wife that he was hoping that he could come over this evening because he said he had a Christmas gift to give to us. And he was wondering if we had about 90 minutes to watch it with him. So that's all he said. And we were kind of, you know, trying to guess what was he going to give us and, you know, what was it going to be and... So when he arrived, he gave us a DVD and um, it's something that he saw on PBS and loved it so much and thought, hey, Rick and his sister would not his his my brother-in-law's sister, not my sister. Okay, Uh, he would uh, the two of them would really enjoy this. And um, he was right. The um, DVD is a documentary, it's called Sacred, or the subtitle of it is Milestones of a Spiritual Life. And what was neat about it was that it was um, 40 plus filmmaking teams who had traveled various places in the world. I mean, they were even in Madagascar, of all places, China and the United States and Japan and I think probably on every continent, Um, although I don't recall Australia or certainly not Antarctica, but um, I think almost almost every continent. But um, the film was just footage with sound, of course, but there was no narration, and and that was um, I think a good way to to show this film. The film was divided into three parts. The first part was initiations. The second part was uh, practice, and then the third part was. Uh, passages. And um, <clears throat> basically the um, the focus of the film was looking at rituals 
across various cultures, across various religions, looking at these rituals at those three different sort of um, aspects of life. How do you initiate people into the culture, into the religion, into the clan, the tribe? How do you practice within that? What is your ways of, of prayer and of uh, celebration and rituals around that? And then finally, the passage part was partly about pilgrimage. They did a little bit about pilgrimage, but then especially we're focusing on um, death and different rituals and, and traditions um, around death and also as people approached death. So the baptism or the initiation part, the first part, did focus on baptism, but it focused on other initiation rituals, the bris in Judaism and um, other um, rites of passage types of, of rituals that different cultures had. And then in prayer, the middle part, the, pa- the uh, practice part, um, I think the most interesting part was the um, holy uh, celebration in Hinduism where they throw colored powder at each other. And uh, there were other festivals that were shown. But I think the most interesting part was around death and in the final section. And um, that's when the film crew was in Madagascar. And if you stick with me through the break, I will tell you about this very unusual ritual that uh, was shown in this film. Thank you for staying with me through the break. So the third part of the film, Sacred, focused again on passages, a little bit on pilgrimages, but mostly about death and rituals around death. And the film crew was in Madagascar. And I forget what the name of the, um, the actual ritual was, but it was translated something along the lines of moving of the bones. Now, this was a little unusual. And there wasn't really much description because the way the story was told without a narrator was that various um, certain cultures or certain practices would have an individual who was introduced and you would see them engaged in the ritual and then it would be their voice that would explain at least a little bit about the meaning and the significance and the symbolism of the ritual itself. And um, this one wasn't explained a whole lot. What it seemed like it was about was people, the community, doing singing and dancing and processing to the tombs and removing the bones of loved ones in in a very respectful, ritualistic way. And apparently they, they take them out and... To the filmmaker's credit, you, you did, never saw the decayed or decaying body, um, which was good. So you never saw the bones. Uh, and apparently they, they were wrapped in these um, sort of like white cloths, like bed sheets, and um, they would be taken out. And then I think it looked like they processed them from one area of tombs to another. 
and then I think they changed the the, the linen, so they, they actually physically must have moved the bones from one linen to the other. And then there was something about writing the person's name, the ancestor's name, on the outside of this the sheet, and the, the person, the participant who was speaking about it said, this is the way that we remember them, this is the way that we keep them alive with us, is by, by writing their name. And then they put the, the bones back into a, a new, uh, or not a new, but a, a different tomb. And um, one fi- funny little sort of um, note was um, it, it seemed like part of the ritual involved these um, two liter soda bottles that were filled with a, a clear fluid that was identified as alcohol, probably like, you know, <laughs> like st- almost straight alcohol. And at a number of times you saw people and it was looked like it was mostly men or maybe all men doing this ritual uh, drinking from what was in the bottle and um, I think it was clear that um, in order to do this ritual moving the bones you probably needed a little bit of fortification so the alcohol didn't seem like it was there as an offering to the dead but rather for the living who were helping using it to help them interact themselves with the deceased I felt God's presence in this as I saw the diversity of people around the world and the diversity of practices. And um, I think what was interesting was there really wasn't an effort to do sort of a comparative religion uh, motif. It wasn't, okay, here is this ritual, Christian baptism, and this is like this one, and, you know, trying to highlight similarities or differences. Each individual Um, segment really stood on its own within a larger overarching uh, theme, the three themes that I mentioned. And it was just a reminder to me of the absolute universality of ritual and communal ritual and how this signifies not just who an individual is within the larger group, but who the group is within the larger cosmos with God or the gods and holy books and holy places. They showed Mecca and the pilgrimage to Mecca and so forth. And I certainly experienced God in in seeing that and, and reflecting on the wide variety of rituals. I also felt a little bit, um, sad and, um, disturbed, I guess, because even the rituals that they showed from the United States were pretty bland. And compared to what some of the other cultures were doing, especially as regards movement, I mean, there were dancing, there was dancing and chanting and, you know, offering and and just this sense of connection and communion and community through especially movement. And I I think that's a place where our rituals really fall short. And even around our holidays, you know, what rituals do we have besides eating, because we do a lot of that, besides then becoming sedentary, watching something, right? And, um, And where do we participate? You know, there were various parades or processions that were shown where people were participating. We just go and watch our processions of giant balloons floating down past 
Central Park, right? And um, again, I, it made me just sort of sad that we live in this culture today that seems pretty sterile and pretty disconnected from ritual. Yes, we have our religious rituals, to be sure. Yet, even those seemed stayed and kind of calm compared to the enthusiasm and the excitement of the community within some of these other rituals. So each culture has its own and, and we live within those cultures, but it was, it was a good reminder for me that God is present in a wide, wide range of people, places, and activities. So thinking of your own life in this season, which is nearing an end, I think it's the 10th day of Christmas, what rituals and practices did you have during this season? And in the month ahead, January is kind of a quiet month, can be kind of cold or snowy, depending on where you live. What rituals lie ahead for you, especially as we transition from the light and the joy of the holiday season into the darkness and often coldness of January. So what rituals did you have previously with community and whomever you were with? And what do you anticipate on the near horizon of this month, which is just beginning? As always, thank you so much for listening. Blessings and peace. Peace.